Welcome to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages every week. These powerful messages are sure to inspire you and keep you on track. Whether it's our late founder, Pastor Wayman Mitchell, or any of your favorite fellowship leaders worldwide, including Pastors Joe Campbell, Paul Stevens, Mark Olson, Tom Payne, Harold Warner, Richard Ruby, and many more, get ready to hear from God through this message. Amen. Encore. Turn it up a little bit. Every time I try to make it on my own Every time I try to stand to start to fall And all those lonely roads that I had traveled on There was Jesus When the life I built came crashing to the ground when the friends I had were nowhere to be found And I couldn't see it then, but I can see it now and there was Jesus In the waiting, in the search, in the healing and my hurt Like a blessing buried in the broken pieces
Hallelujah. I would encore that one. I like that one, but that's one of those songs you sing once a day. Once a day. Some of those notes you are only able to touch one time. And then you got to wait like a week before you can touch them again. You have your Bibles tonight. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, one of the more famous scriptures in the Bible. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities against powers against the rulers of darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places therefore take up the whole armor of god that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand how many know we we're in the evil day now we're like in the evil evening having done all to stand stand therefore Having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, take up the shield of faith with which you are able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take up the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Father, help us tonight, God. Pour out your grace your favor, your understanding tonight. God, speak to your people a word that will help us serve you, live for you, and make it tonight. And all God's people said with a shout, Amen. When I was in China, I did a series on the armor of God wanting to teach God's people about the important aspects of the armor of God. It is one of the most important scriptures in the Bible if you're going to survive and finish the race for God. And so as I begin to do that series, a couple things that I have not really ever seen or that I didn't notice begin to jump out at me. And that's how this sermon was birthed. So I want to look at a couple of those things tonight in the hopes that God might help us. Amen. And I want to encourage you tonight. Don't hold on to your amens. Sometimes, you know, you can preach revival and it's okay if people hold on to their amen. You know how we are. We save our amens. You know, Pastor, I'm going to give you three on Sunday morning. And if you do real good, I might give you three more Sunday night. You know what I'm saying? But most of the time, we kind of take our amens and put them in our pocket and be like, we'll see if you deserve. Okay, I'm going to ask you now. You got to let your amen go free. Come on, somebody. See, that's what I'm talking about. See, don't that just feel liberating? Say amen again. Oh, man, I'm telling you, every time you say amen, you, you get a spiritual Bitcoin or something. <laughs> the first thing that jumped out at me is where Paul says, you and I, need to be clothed in the whole or the entire armor of God. Listen to me. If you live for Jesus for any length of time, there are going to be days when you are missing parts of the armor. It's a part of it. 
There'll be days when you wake up and you can't find your helmet. You're going through all kinds of things in your mind. There'll be days when you don't know what happened to your breastplate because somebody done acted a fool and done hurt your heart. There'll be days when you're missing your sword and your shit. <laughs> there will be times when parts of your armor is missing. Listen, the problem is not missing parts of your armor. The problem is going excessive and extended mount amounts of time with parts of your armor missing. Because the longer you go with that part of the armor missing, the more you are making yourself a target for the wiles. I love the way God put that, the wiles of the, we don't even know what that means. The wiles of the devil. This is why Paul says, listen, you need to be clothed in the entire armor. What is he saying? He's saying if you notice uh, that there's parts of your armor missing, hurry up, go find it and put it back on. Hallelujah. Excuse me, I'm, I'm, I think I'm still thinking about chicken. <laughs> the next thing he says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Church, can I tell you something tonight? People are not the problem. Now, now, don't get me wrong. There are times when the devil will work through people. But if you spend time fighting and letting people frustrate you, you are wasting time. That would be like instead of coming up with something to heal COVID, they focus on the fact that you can't taste nothing when you got COVID. Or on the fact that when you have COVID, you get a cough. So instead of trying to figure out how to heal people from this, they just say, listen, just drink some cough medicine. That'll do it. No, that's not. Now you're just dealing with the symptom instead of the source. Whenever you fight people, oh, y'all ain't gonna help me out there. When you fight your husband and fight your wife and fight your teacher and fight this and fight that and fight the, fight the government. You are fighting the symptom because the source is hell. Can I tell you something? Them folks down the street in Washington don't have a clue what's going on. They're not the ones trying to tear this all up. In their minds, they think what they're doing is good. Those people 100% believe the foolishness. But we know who's actually trying to destroy the world. Paul said, listen, stop, stop fighting people. People ain't the problem. You need to fight the, the source of the problem, which we know is the devil himself. Are y'all with me? The next thing we notice is I said, Lord, I went through the armor and I'm looking, I'm like, Lord, something's wrong here because I always thought the purpose of the armor was so that we can go fight. That's not what the armor is for. God don't want you fighting nothing and nobody. God said, listen, I put it in the text like four times what the purpose of the armor for. Why are you thinking the armor is for you to fight? God says, having done all to, I want you to, and when you're done standing, I want you to withstand, stand, keep, 
The purpose of the armor is for you and I to be able to stand firm and watch God be God. A good illustration, a good illustration of that is the story of David and Goliath. You know, whenever I, whenever I read the story of David and Goliath and whenever I even preached it, I always thought that we were David. You know what I'm saying? I, I mean, and, and you know, we can preacherize it. We can make it. You know, when you face the giants, you got to go down to the brook of prayer and you got to take out the stone of fasting and you got to take out your smooth stone of giving and your stone of it. And we can make it sound so, but we are not David in this story. Who is David? David in the story is a picture of Jesus. And the Bible, let me, let me, why was David down there in the first place? Easy. The father wanted David to go check on his children. Call David. Say, hey, my children are down there facing the giants. Facing the Philistines, who we know is a picture of sin, death, and hell. And he said, I want you to go down there and check on them and see how they're doing. So David went down there. The Bible says when he got there, he found a giant trying to kill and bring the people of God, including his father's children, into bondage. David killed the giant so that God's people could be free. We are not David. Who are we in the story? We are the soldiers. Hiding. Oh Lord Jesus, here big. Kill him, get him, Jesus, get out. Then after Jesus kills him, he says, Now that I've killed him, you can come get all this stuff. All the stuff he's stolen and been holding on to like it belongs. You come get it. There was something else that jumped out at me that I just found concerning until God showed me what it meant and that was the fact that there's no armor for your back I said Lord Jesus no 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 Lord listen now I've read this thing up I've read it down and Lord there's no armor for your back Lord this is bad because I got a bad back Lord I my back already hurt I can't afford to get jugged in the back because ain't no armor for your back and Lord just whispered to me why would you need armor for your back? Because if your back is turned to the enemy, that means you run it. And why in the world would you run from a defeated enemy? Who runs from a defeat? You don't need armor for your back because God intends for us to always be facing the fight. Now, he don't want us going over there and doing nothing and messing stuff up. Let me, let me give you a better example. Let me give you a better example. My wife and I love, we, we love these, they call them suspense thrillers. There, there's these CIA, these guys, these CIA, former CIA, Navy SEAL, they write some good books. Now, you can't listen to all of them because some of them is crazy. But there's a couple good ones out there. You know, some of them, they're just nasty. But you, there's a couple good guys out there that's like, ooh, ooh, and it just keeps you on the edge of your seat. You know what I'm saying? You, and we, we. And so, but my wife has the, oh, you, you live streaming, so I better watch what I say. My wife has this unique thing that she does. You know what I'm saying? We will get a book. We'll get a book. 
and and we love listening to or reading the same book because then we can talk about it. You know what I'm saying? And, and we kind of like the same thing. That's why we've been together for 25 years, you know. And so, but she gets a book. She reads the last chapter first before she read, before she even starts the book. She read the last chapter first. I said, "Why you? Why would you do? You ruin the book. Why would anybody want to read the last chapter first? My wife said, "Look." I'm not like you. Okay, first of all, I know. She said, she said, she said, I know that in the middle of the book it's gonna get real scary. They're gonna capture the hero, they're gonna tie him up, and the Russians is always the Russians. They're gonna be doing bad stuff to him. She says, When I get to that part, I'm always really scared and nervous. So I read the last chapter to make sure that in the end we win. That way, when I get to the middle, it's not so scary because I, I can read the middle and know I'm like, hey, no matter what they do, we win in the end. So it's OK. When she told me that, I said, girl, you don't even know how much that a preach. She said, as long as I know the end of the story. I'm not afraid when I get to the middle and things get a little scary. Because I've already read the last chapter. Oh, come on. Y'all ain't going to help me out. <laughs> she said, we are the reason you don't need no armor for your back. We've already read the last chapter. And we know that no matter what happens in the middle, we win in the end. Now, it's gonna get, it could get really scary. I mean, the Russians could get us and tie us up in something. And I don't know how you all get out of it. <laughs> We have like, I mean, I don't know how you're going to get out of it. you in the woods by yourself. The Russians have you tied up, and there's a dude sitting there with an AK-47. He always gets out. Always. Something that happened, you know, he kicked the Russian in the pinky toe, and when he looked down, he flicked the chair over. I don't know, but God always finds a way. Y'all didn't know I was talking about God, did you? <laughs> then we get... To the parts of the armor. Begin to list the armor, and I'm not going to go in the order of the uh, of the story because I want to get you to somewhere. So, 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 don't meet with me tonight and say, Pastor, you did that wrong. You you, you put the I I know I know what goes in there. Just bear with me. We talk about the helmet because when I did it in China, I had a huge poster of a soldier, and so I went from head to toe. That's why you know what I'm saying. And so you have the helmet. The helmet represents your mind. Covering and protecting your mind. We live in an hour where you better protect your mind. You know, I get people that get mad at me when I say I do not read or listen to the news. Before, before November of last month, of last year, I was a junkie. I was a news junkie. I literally was on the news 24-7. I'd get out of church. First thing I'd do is open Fox News. And then I began to get twisted in my soul. And I found myself becoming wrathfully angry. And I said, God, this ain't right. I should not only not be thinking and acting and feeling like it, I should not be looking at precious souls, even though I don't agree with them, with wrath. And I, and I said, God, I'm going to stop doing it. Because I want my mind to be protected. And so I don't read it. I don't read it. If any news I know is somebody told me. Because 
I want my mind to be protected. You with me? Ain't got nothing to do. Like I said, I think they're all devils. Every last one of them. You don't get that high without being a devil. They're all devils. We just usually pick the best devil. But for the protection of my mind, I said, you know what? I'm just going to cut it all off. You have to know what you need to do to put a helmet on. You have the breastplate. Listen, you are not going to get all the way to heaven without somebody hurting your heart. It's impossible. It is impossible to make heaven your home without somebody in the church hurting you. Listen, man, we're all broken, crazy vessels just trying to serve Jesus. And every once in a while, our crazy comes back for a few minutes. And we hurt each other. But that's why Jesus says you need to forgive 70 times 7. Because he knows that somebody said, if you want to know how crazy you are, just scratch yourself. Just scratch yourself. So what is, how does that show? <laughs> that little bit of skin right there. You scratch, ow! That's how crazy we can be. It's that close. Oh, y'all didn't get it. You want to see how easy it is to hurt, hurt yourself or hurt somebody? Just do like that. There's only a very thin layer of skin between your body and pain. You with me? Right now, we're all feeling good. No pain. Scratch yourself. Ow! That's how easy it is for us to go from fine to crazy. Oh, you get me now. What does that mean? That means from time to time, we're going to hurt each other. We're going to say something. We're going to do something. And, And most of the time, most of the time, we really don't even mean anything nefarious. We just... We're crazy. That's why you need a breastplate. The shoes in Bible times, what the Romans would do is they would literally put nails or spikes on their shoes. Now, the NFL thing, they came up with that. No, the Roman soldiers were doing that long before they ever thought of it. And the reason was the battlefield would be slick with mud and blood and all kinds of stuff. And so they would do that so that when they were standing on the battlefield, they could stand without slipping and sliding. Because how many know if you're a child of God and you always slipping and sliding, eventually you're going to fall? God said, I want you standing firm. I don't want you always slip. <laughs> and then we get to the belt. and The Bible says the belt is truth. The belt holds everything together, and that is also true of truth. What holds us together, church, is the knowledge of who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, and what Jesus is going to do. Now, there's a lot more truth, but those are the most important truth. What holds everything in our lives together is the fact that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. What holds us together is the fact that right now while we're here, he's helping us through the Holy Ghost and preparing a place for And what holds us together is the fact that one day he's coming again to get us out of here. Then we get to the sword. I was rushing to get to this part. Now I'm going to start my sermon. I haven't started preaching yet. Now I'm going to start my sermon. Then he talks about the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. If you don't read your Bible, you are like a soldier on the battlefield with no weapon. You will not survive. Let me give you an example. Y'all should tell by now I like examples. For one second, I I want you to imagine that this is no longer a pulpit. This is the closet of a Roman. So don't be looking at the thing. I said it's not a pulpit. Don't look here. Look up here. Look up here. Look up here. 
This is now the closet of a Roman soldier. Can y'all see that? All right. Mr. Roman soldier, he's in the house with his wife and, and they eating some chicken because that's what they do. And so they're there and, and he hears a knock on the door. For, for one second, it's going to be a door. Okay, now it's back to being a closet. And knock on the door. Yes, who is it? Uh, Mr. Roman soldier, the, uh, the commander says the Philistines are acting up. Put your armor on and let's go whoop them. All right, I'll be there in a minute. Romans talk like elders. I'll be there in a minute. Uh-huh. And so, so he goes over to his closet, right? He goes over to his closet and he putting on, putting on the armor and he puts on the helmet. All right, buckle. He got that thing like a rooster right here and he puts it on, you know, and he puts on the breastplate. You know what I'm saying? Feel like, you know, and he puts on the shoes and, and he puts on, he, he goes over here and he got the shield. All right. I'm feeling good. Put the belt on and he's looking. He's like, what the devil? Lord, what's wrong with Honey! Yeah. Where's my sword? Oh, I sent it to get sharpened. It'll be back next week. Just take a butter knife. It's okay. Yeah, that's a good idea. Go in the kitchen. Get some butter knife. And he goes out to the battlefield. Now picture this. Picture this with me. Picture this. He's standing there in the battlefield. On the right side of him is a big old giant six foot nine muscle-bound monster carrying a battle axe. Do you know what a battle axe is? A battle axe is a, is a half axe, half demonic. It's, it's an it's a axe that the, the blade, it has a little dip in it, then it comes back like this, then it comes way over in the sharp edge, then it has a little point, and it goes in like that, and, 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 and then the, the sp- stick part has a little spearhead on it and and it's monstrous it probably weighs like a hundred pounds and he's standing there with that thing looking just and on the left side of him is a man with a mace now this the guy with the mace he kind of skinny but he got you know he's stronger you know what a mace is a mace is half nunchuck half bowling ball half ninja star Somebody took some nunchucks, cut the stick part of it off, took a bowling ball and stuck it on the end, went and got a bunch of ninja stars and stuck it in the bowling ball. And he's standing there. And there you are in the middle with your butter knife. Now, now, if you're the enemy, who are you going to fight first? You're not going to attack the monstrosity with the battle axe. You're not even going to look at him. for The fear might knock you out. And anybody crazy enough to bring a half nunchuck bowling ball ninja star to the battlefield is not to be messed with. If you're the enemy, you're looking at that fool with the butter knife. Because the worst he can do is make you a sandwich. You're looking at him. A Christian who does not read their Bible is a soldier on the battlefield with no better than a butter knife. And the only reason you even have a butter knife is because when you come to church, somebody else read the Bible to you. Otherwise, you'd be out there with a toothpick. Hallelujah. (laughs) And then we get to the best part, y'all. The shield of faith. 
Right before Paul mentions the shield of faith, he says these words, above all. I read that. I said, Lord, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Something's wrong here. Why would he put above all before the shield of faith? And, and the Lord just whispered back to me. What do you mean? Why would he? It says what it said, above all. But, but Lord, above all means like, like the most important. Of course, the most important. Your faith, your shield is the most important part of the armor. Why? <laughs> I tell you, I'm so glad you asked. I really wanted to tell you. Because the shield is the only part of the armor that you can lose every other part of the armor and yet if you have your shield, you can still be okay. See, if you lose your helmet, just lift your shield up. If your breastplate falls off, just bring your shield down a little bit. If your belt is all messed up, well, you might be in a little bit of trouble. You know what I'm saying? You might be like one of these boys walking around like a monkey, but that's another answer. Nothing you can do about that. If you lose your sword, you lose, you lose your shoes, just, just bring your shield down, cover your feet. You lose your sword, well, it's a little, it gets a little tricky because you got to wait till he gets a little closer. Then you knock it. Your faith gives you and I the ability to hold on until things get better. You're on the battlefield. We're all on, listen. Write it down. You know, you don't have to do anything to be an enemy of the devil. All you got to do is make up your mind to go to the promised land. And you become a target of the enemy. (laughs) You're on the battlefield. There will be times, as I said, where parts of the armor will be missing. Just make sure you don't ever lose your shield. Because without your faith, there is no reason to put on any other part of the armor. Your faith is what holds it all together. That shield. Let, let, let me give you an example. I'll give you an example. Many years ago, I went to Africa. Now, I've been all over Africa. There's some parts of Africa that's not really Africa. I've been to Cape Town. Cape Town's not really Africa. I mean, it is, but it's not. Because Cape Town is one of the most beautiful places in the universe. You can get coffee in Cape Town. That'll blow your mind. Cape Town, it's not real Africa. I mean, it is, but it's not. I went to Zambia, Livingston, Zambia. That is real Africa. Oh, okay. okay. One morning we went to prayer. And before we could go in the building and pray, we had to shoo the elephants out of the parking lot. Now, now, we're not talking about zoo elephants where, you know, you, you hold out something and be like, go. No, no. These are wild African elephants. At night, they come out of the bush because the parking lot of the church has mango trees and they love the leaves of the mango tree. So first thing in the morning, come up. Hey, get out of here. Hey, hey, big old giant. When I first saw it, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm in Africa now. Mm-hmm. Another morning we went to prayer. And before we could go pray, we had to kill a cobra in the parking lot. One night I'm up there preaching, and this monster, church, I'm not kidding you. It was during the altar call, heads about, eyes are closed. Crawling around on the floor was a half spider, half scorpion. 
big old giant ugly thing. I later found out that it might be what they call a camel spider. I don't care what you call it. I call it a demon. It's crawling. I'm trying to pull the altar call and Jesus died. Love you. Died for your sin. The devil hung on a cross. I was in real Africa. So I'm there with a friend of mine named Barry Bales. He's a good friend of mine. And so we're there and preaching revival and God's helping. And I mean, God was moving and helping. And so Barry, he, he, he says, hey, man, let's go white water rafting down the Zambezi River. I was like, no, uh-uh, you lost your mind. What's wrong with you? I watch a lot of documentaries. I know what's in the Zambezi River. I ain't going to, like, come on, man, we can do it. It'll be fun. I said, no, no, we're not doing it. That's, you know, uh, yeah, I don't know what I could say in church. And I, you know, I'm like, Barry, 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 listen, man, I'm black. Black folks don't do stuff like that. Now, these are Africans. They're, they're different. They live here. They got to do it. I'm a black American. We don't, we don't, we don't roll like that. <laughs> then he said, come on, man. Are you a chicken? Oh, no, you didn't. Oh, no, you didn't. I eat chicken. I have authority and dominion over it. You did not. I'm not. And once again, pride got me in trouble. I paid a hundred U.S. dollars to do this foolishness. It's a 45-minute hike down the side of a mountain. Did I tell you that we were in Africa, Africa? There were no stairs down the mountain. There wasn't even a path. Somebody went and nailed some tree branches. We going down this thing, hanging on roots and 45 minutes down to the bottom. We get down there and we get in a little room. It's a whole bunch of us. We're like 12 crazy people that did this. Paid all that money. We get in this room and they start giving us a briefing. And my, my, my you know, the African guy, and he's standing up there and, he, and he's talking. The first thing they did, they issued everyone NFL football helmets. I'm like, wait a minute. I thought we were going in a boat in water. Why do we need helmets? My brother, I put the helmet on. You will know later. They tell you what to do. Put your helmet on. Put your, you know, your life. So we get in the boat. And the first few rapids are fun. I mean, they're fun because they're small. And, and you know, they, kind of, they give them like cute little names. You know what I'm saying? Gates of heaven. And they get you know, cute little names. You know? And so we, we get to about the fifth rapid. And the guide stands up in the front of the boat. About 12 of us in the boat. Big, it's a nice size rubber raft. The guy gets up in the middle. He says, okay, my friends, I need you to listen to me now. I need you. Look at me. Look at me. What are you doing? Look at me. Look here. Here. The next rapid, we call it the devil's mother-in-law. I wouldn't lie to you. I would not lie to you. The next rapid, we call the devil's mother-in-law. Listen to me. This is a big rapid. What I want you to do, we will paddle very hard, very hard. Then when we get to the rapid, throw down the paddle and grab the rope. Inside of the raft was a rope that went all the way around it. So when you get to that water, when you get to that rapid, and we hit the rapid, put down your paddle, and everybody grabbed the rope. 
I said, okay. I, so we get around this corner church. You can look at, you don't believe, look it up. Look it up. Thank God for it. You can look it up. This thing was a monster. Water foaming, throw 14, 15 feet in the air, white water everywhere. Big giant boulders sticking out. And I'm like, oh, we're going to die. We gonna. My wife told me right before I left, don't you go over there and die. Because she knew me. She knew I was crazy. And I could hear her. I told you not to go over there and die. I'm going to resurrect you and kill you again. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, oh. Church, we hit that rapid. The front of the boat went like this. The back of the boat went like this. And we all met in the middle. This lady slammed into the side of my head. I saw Daffy Duck, Tweety Bird, Donald Duck. And then the thing stood straight up in the air and flipped completely over. Flung people everywhere. Now, these guys, were the, the African guides were exceptional swimmers. And that's why they can do this. Because they know they can swim. They do this every day. The way they flip the boat over is one of them would just swim real hard. They're wearing life vests. They'd swim real hard over to the boat. They climb on top because there's a rope on the underside of the boat. They climb on top of it. They grab that and they fall backwards into the water and that flips the boat over. So this guy, he swims. He climbs on top of it. He grabs the rope and he goes to flip. He goes, what is the problem here? What is going? He looks under the boat and he sees somebody like, my brother, let go of the rope. I ain't letting go of this doggone rope. I shouldn't have been down in the first doggone prayer. I was going to never listen to Barry crazy behind. I'm not letting go of this rope. You only you're flipping over with me. Hold on. My brother, it is okay. You can let go of the rope. I'm not letting go of the rope. Find a way to flip it over with me. Hold on to the rope. My brother, I told you. Finally, he got the message. I'm not letting go of the rope. I still don't remember how he flipped this thing over. Only thing I remember is I was probably a lot skinnier back then. But he flipped. when he flipped the boat over, all I remember, I was the only person in the boat. Everybody else was in the river with the things. That's what the guy called him. Because what would happen is he would let us swim in certain areas, like where it was really rocky. and He'd let us swim, and, and then he would say, oh, get in the boat. Those things are here. Those things, get in the boat. Listen, church. I thank God. That most of the rapids we face in life are no worse than the devil's little finger. You know what I'm saying? Or, or, or the rapid call ugly kitty cat. You know, I don't know. But there'll come a day when you'll come around a corner and the devil's mother-in-law is standing there looking at you. In that hour, don't let go of the rope. You with me? Because when you hit that rapid and life turns completely upside down, if you hold on to the rope, I got such a revelation. What a picture of faith. How many people are not here tonight, not because of some sin or some unrighteousness or some perversion, but because when life got difficult, they let go of the rope. And the rapid took them. See, here's the problem with hitting a rapid. When the boat flips over, 
You might start here, but within seconds, you're way down the road. With a rapid, when the bolt flips over, you might, but it'll fling you backwards because of the churning of the water. How many people are lost? Because when they hit that rapid, they let go of their shield. Listen, listen. Paul said, listen, it's a part of life. He put this in here because he said, you are going to face the enemy. But he said, if you've got all, if you've got your armor on, and above all, you have your shield, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. I say it again. Don't let go of the rope. Hold on to the rope. Bow your heads with me tonight. Bow your heads with me tonight. for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.